welcome the Situation Report for Monday, February 20th. It's President's Day, and it's a fitting day for the topics of the day. I'm glad everybody admin notes first is I'm glad everybody enjoyed the show with Jack Donna. That was a uh, conversation we'd been having for a while, and it made sense to bring him on the show and leverage his experience. Super smart guy and a, and a patriot. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, when you start going down this road and doing what I'm do what I've been doing and what this team's been doing for the last two years, you don't really start off on this journey thinking that you're going to expand, you know, your universe, right? I did this mainly as a favor to a bunch of my former military buddies to break apart some of the things they were seeing in the media because they were just so disoriented from all the from all the BS that was being pushed out in the propaganda. And there's some cognitive dissonance for most people when they start waking up because they know something's wrong. They just can't put their finger on it. When they start talking to people that are awake and that are able to break up a lot of these narratives so they can see what's really being pushed, then they're like, yeah, now it starts to make sense. And they come out of the fog, right? And that's part of what that's part of what Friday's show was all about, was to break up the fog. So people see it as what it is and it's hysteria it's more of the boogeyman that's all it's that's all it ever is right they got to create a new boogeyman and they have to refresh the hysteria as often as possible to keep people off balance they they thrive on your emotional discomfort the more emotionally charged you are the more in fear and in panic you are the the more easily you are manipulated into giving up your civil rights and not questioning the narratives that they're putting in front of people. The problem is they've gone so far down the rabbit hole and things are so crazy. Like Barack Obama has this, this um, it's a quote where he says, you just have to put as, as much raw sewage in the system as possible to keep everybody disoriented. That's the game plan. They put in just garbage into the daily news cycle and everybody pivots towards it. And the the problem across the entire truth community is not that people can't consume the information. They can't discern what's real, what's not. It's that they're so staunchly wrapped up in their own belief systems that they can't hear anything outside of that belief system. Like there's a whole segment of the truth community that is wrapped up in, we got to hear something positive every day. That's not war. We're at war. Our government has declared war on us. And sometimes there's no good news. Sometimes there's great news. Sometimes you're continually being marched backwards. But that doesn't mean the war is lost. I've used several times, if you've listened to me over the last two years, then bear with me for a few more episodes while I bring the new crowd up to date. The, the Battle of Midway was a turning point in World War II, and I've referenced it often because prior to June 4th and June 5th of 1942, the Japanese were marching across the Pacific, unabated, unchallenged, and they were challenging in June of, of forty two. They were challenging Australia. They were in New Guinea. 
they were across the Solomon Islands. They had taken the Philippines, and they were they were well on their way to taking Midway Island. And at the time, the U.S. didn't didn't think and didn't realize that they didn't have the logistical capability to invade the mainland U.S. They didn't realize that the strategy was to push the Americans all the way back to the Pacific coast because they knew if they could push us back to the Pacific coast, it would be years for us to mount enough of an offensive to take back the Pacific. And they knew they couldn't fight a long war with us. But our code breakers, again, at, in Kenya at the tunnel, they were able to break the Japanese N25 codes or J and 25 codes and get ahead of the Battle of Midway. And we were still outgunned, outclassed, and outmanned. And despite that, we laid a trap for the Japanese, and the battle was part luck, part miracle, part timing, and part intelligence. And intelligence drives operations. And the Battle of Midway, we got lucky because all of our torpedo bombers were the first to go in without fighter escort. The sacrifice that those 30 crews did for our country allowed the dive, the Dauntless dive bombers to come in at a higher level and draw all the Japanese fighter cover down to the sea level. Because of that, our dive bombers were basically unmolested on the first run against Japanese character, carriers, and we were able to sink three carriers in one attack. And then later in the day, the Japanese had hit the Yorktown and we were down to two carriers and a few airplanes. And we were still able to mount another attack and sink the fourth Japanese carrier. And it changed the tide of the war. From that moment on, the Japanese were in defensive retreat mode for the rest of the war. Now, it was prolonged because of the fact that we were still trying to get our wits about us, and we didn't really get into full production until 1944. But up until June 4th of 1942, we literally were on the ropes, and there was no good news coming out of any part of the world. And that went into 1943. Midway was the first victory that we had against the Japanese that was at the time, we didn't realize how strategic that victory was. But it still took us another four years to beat him back, three years to beat him back. And the same thing with Germany, right? There was no good news coming out of Germany in 41 and 42. There was even less good news coming out of Russia. The Battle of Stalingrad turned the tide on the Eastern Front. And then the Normandy invasion in 44 sealed their fate. But up until that point, the war could have gone any way. But at the time, we didn't know it. We were just going along with what was in front of us. And our intelligence made the Japanese you know, presence a lot bigger than it was, a lot more sophisticated than it was. And we didn't understand their mindset. And it's the same thing that we went through when we went into Iraq in 03. We didn't understand the Arab mindset. We, we just didn't. We didn't understand the culture. We didn't understand the Arab mindset. We didn't understand their value system. We didn't even care. And it took us literally five to eight years to figure it out. And when we did figure it out, 
then things started to go in the right direction. But we lost a lot of people, almost 5,000, before we figured it out. And today's standard's different than World War II. That's, that's a small number compared to what we had lost in World War II by that point. But the point is, up until those points, there was no good news coming out of that entire war. And things are going to be bad for a while. Things are going to suck. But we haven't hit the catalyst moment where the American public catalyzes behind the moral compass. I don't think we're going to see that till probably June or July. Maybe even later. I would like to think it would happen in March or April, but I think something bigger is coming in March or April. There's, there's three things that the elite can't escape. One of which is that the system that we've lived under for the past 200 years is dying. And it's, I will go as far as say it's already dead. And that the new normal is never going to be normal. It's never going to be status quo. People are never going to accept this new normal forever. People know there's something wrong. They don't know what's wrong. And more people are waking up every day. This James O'Keefe thing is a perfect example of how people realize that there's something drastically wrong with our system, where a guy who literally has dedicated his life to putting out the facts and outing people that are doing harm to our society and to the American public. And he's doing it legitimately with a, with a moral compass that's impeccable, is walked out of the company that he started. I can tell you exactly what happened. He embarrassed the Pfizer executives because they're pompous, arrogant, narcissistic, Luciferian child molesters. And they call, they got called out for it. They didn't like it. So they threatened the board of directors and the board of directors went after James O'Keefe. That's exactly what happened. And no matter how you cut it, it shows you how corrupt the system is when the pharmaceutical industry, specifically Pfizer, can literally buy off anybody and threaten anybody on the planet with impunity. That means the system is dead and dying a loud, grotesque death. And whatever the catalyst is that kills the system, ultimately, that is going to be the, the catalyst that galvanizes the American public. And there are a lot of things right now that don't look good for us. The currency's won. The fact that our energy and our energy production's been destroyed. The fact that they purposely sabotaged all these trains and the train alerting system, the derailment alerting systems. There's more and more information coming out about all these trains derailing that they were you know, purposely sabotaged. Are you starting to figure it out yet? They're trying to do to us exactly what they did with Sri Lanka. They want to bankrupt us. They want to run us out of resources. And then they want to drive this social scoring system and these QR codes just like they did in Sri Lanka. And it's not going to work out for them because there's too many people awake and too many people armed that aren't vaccinated that are going to pick up arms against them. That's the reality of the situation. You can sugarcoat it any way you want, but that's how this is going to go down. And if you listen to the doom prophets, right, the Stu Peters, the Mike Adams and the Alex Jones, you know, I get those, those guys get referred to me all the time. Like people throw stuff in my inbox all the time. You should watch these guys. I do watch them. And here's the recipe. 
They sell fear to get you to buy their stuff from their dispensaries or from their storefront. And everything, every interview they do, every show they do is an infomercial for whatever vendor they're trying to pump that day. I mean, the one that's the most flagrant about it is Mike Adams. Like he talks about bivy sticks. I got I got one sitting right next to me that's on. And this is my second one. And so far I'm unimpressed because if you turn it off, first of all, you pay 40 bucks a month for unlimited messaging. And it's it's sat, it's a satellite, um, it's a satellite text messaging stick, right? That's what it's for. And I got it because I have a kid overseas. So I'm like, okay, this is a great idea. Well, if you turn it off and you don't turn it on for a couple of days, the battery dies. Guess what? You're screwed. Doesn't work anymore. Won't take a charge. And, you know, when you're pumping stuff like that, like I got it because it was, it was this or a satellite phone. And if you dealt with satellite phones, you'll realize that satellite phones are just as frustrating as this thing is because they can they can talk all around the planet as long as you're in line of sight with the satellite. Otherwise, it's a brick, and it's a very expensive brick. This was relatively cheap and allowed me to communicate with my kid anywhere in the world. Even She can even use it on an airplane. It won't interrupt the quote-unquote avionics. So it was a logical choice, right? But if you listen to if you listen to Mike Adams, right, he's talking to these all these different vendors, and he's trying to pump all these different vendors under the guise of fear. Oh, this is terrible! You should get this product. You know, the newest one is all of these power stations, right? It's a battery. It's literally a battery that you have to recharge either with a solar panel or with an outlet, or you charge it with your car running, which means you're burning gas. It's a battery. And it's that kind of crap that is why I'm turned off to them, right? Not that I think that any of their messaging is probably too far off base. Like one of them, and where I'm going with this conversation, is that Mike Adams routinely talks about China invading. It's actually starting to look like a viable potential now, which is ludicrous. But when you look at the Chinese influence in Canada, the Chinese influence in South America, specifically what Lula is doing in Brazil, the Chinese influence in Mexico and the cartels and what they're doing with fentanyl, and the fact that you have Chinese army troops guarding fentanyl warehouses and production facilities in Mexico, and they're bringing in mass quantities of fentanyl into the U.S. People don't even realize that it is an epidemic in this country that's being funded and fueled by the Chinese. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that's an act of war. And I'm pretty sure that that constitutes an invasion of our sovereignty, which begs the question why the guy in the White House and the regime in the White House is not doing something about it. And I'll tell you why. It's because that same person is compromised by China, along with the rest of his family and almost everybody in Congress. And nobody's using the words treason and traitors. And I'll tell you why. The reason why we're in the situation we're in, the reason why I had the conversation with Jack Donna on Friday is because nobody's calling this stuff for what it is. It's an invasion of our sovereignty. The lawmakers in Washington, D.C. have broken the public trust. They've committed acts of treason against our country. 
they have not only actively but passively conducted dereliction of duty and forsaken their oaths. That's a big deal. That should be a big deal to you. It's a big deal to me because I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And then I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and I take this obligation freely, and I will carry out the duties of the office for which I'm about to enter. So help me God. I don't know about you, but that means something to me. Which is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now, trying to wake people up to use discernment to break down these narratives and to break apart the nonsense that they see in the news. And for the first time in a very, very long time, I'm starting to see people wake up to that. But it's been a long road to get here, which is where I started this conversation. You never know where the road's going to take you. You just got to give it up to God and let God guide you in the right direction. And that's literally where Jack and team and all of my admins have ended up. None of us got on this journey thinking we'd be where we are. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be where I'm at without the team around me, without the admins that support me, without the people that call me when I get exasperated, because everybody gets exasperated. We all get burned out. We all get smoked. War is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And it's a young man's sport. But unfortunately, the young men are all in Poland right now, and the rest are all vaccinated, and the whole host of them are completely asleep. But there is a bright, shining spot in all of this. And that is, through this process, I've seen several, if not many, small miracles that are, by, by most standards, unrecognizable. But when you start to look for it and you see it and you realize what's happening around you, then you realize not all hope is lost. I'll give you a case in point. You know, three months ago, I, it's almost three months now, I was exasperated with Telegram. I think Telegram is a toxic shithole of bots and provocateurs and shills and foreign agents and grifters and griefers, that all they want to do is create problems. The, the entire point of the dialogue in the, in the town square is so you have a dialogue, but it's become an echo chamber, and it's become an echo chamber full of ego. And I had talked to myself, people in, impersonating me, 11 times over Thanksgiving weekend. 11 different actors reached out to me. And wanted to talk to me. And of course, you know, my comment back to him was, hey, send me some nudes. And, you know, ends the conversation quickly. But the point is, is that I was I realized all in one moment that this is what I'm doing most of my, this is what I'm spending most of my time on. This is what my admins are spending most of their time on. And I'm not paying my admins. We're all, none of us are making money off this. We're all doing this because it's the right thing to do to wake people up. But to have to deal with that and the ego of people in the community that the only thing they care about is they want their own opinions heard. They want their own opinions to be echoed. They want they want to hear their own opinions repeated back to them. 
they're missing the point of the whole exercise. And you get to the point where you just raise your hands and go, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not having impact. And so I was like, I'm pulling the plug on this. I'm just going to go to, I'm just going to go to rumble. I'm going to do these, the, the sit reps on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And I'm going to call it good. I'm going to be done. I'll just stay on true social. And a funny thing happened. I started getting my phone blew up, literally blew up. And it was a common message. And that is a lot of people, whether you believe it or not, are listening to you. And I even got calls from interlopers of people in the elite here in Arizona saying, do not stop what you're doing. Just because people aren't subscribed to your channel doesn't mean they're not monitoring your channel. And we are watching and listening, right? And I'm like, great. I have to put up with this toxicity more. But the miracle in all of this is that my team and my admins all came together because they saw the value in it when I couldn't see it. And they took it upon themselves to try and maintain the momentum, even though I couldn't see it. And you may not think that's a big deal, but it's a big deal when, you know, you're all of your team is doing this all at 24 seven, you don't get a break from it. And it's not just the, the cadence of trying to, to sift through all the information that's out there and trying to break through all the, the BS and the lies it's all the shills and all the other crap that you have to deal with. But it's when your team melts down and my team's melted down several times over a variety of different things, mainly because people get stressed out and tired and burned out. But we always find our way back to common ground. And you may not think that's a miracle, but I can tell you from being on the ground in Baghdad, from being on the ground in Mosul and other parts of the world in very stressful situations. The true test of a good team, the true test of good people is when they can put it, put aside their differences, put aside their egos, put aside their belief systems and work together towards a common goal. Because not all activities that you do, especially in war, there's, there's things you do that you don't believe in. Like case in point, I, I detested the idea of giving giving cash to anybody in Iraq. I detested that idea. But you go along with it because it was the only form of transaction that we could do to pay for goods and services of the local market and let them source through the black market to get things we couldn't source through the regular markets. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrible evil, but it's a necessary evil at times. And, you know, you have to work with the system you have, not the system you want. Just like you have to work with the equipment you have, not the equipment you want or, or think you should have. And it's a true test of a team if you, can, if you can put all that aside and work towards a common goal, because the bigger picture is always bigger than you. And as long as the, the moral compass of the team doesn't shift and people recognize if it is or is shifting and do something about it, that's the true test of a good team. And you saw that today with um, James O'Keefe's his, his, um, his speech. 
I thought that is a guy that's on the spectrum that doesn't understand the social nuances. And it explains why his father was so involved in his life to such a late age, because he's on the spectrum and he doesn't get all the social cues. And he's probably a really good guy. He just, he just, like most people on the spectrum, the social aspects of it escape him. And he doesn't understand why things are going on. And this is not over by any stretch of the imagination. This, I, I, most of the country follows James O'Keefe because of the fact that he's established an impeccable record of following up everything he does with facts. And Pfizer can't escape the facts. The U.S. Congress can't escape the facts. That's why McCarthy doesn't want to release the tapes, and he released the tapes to Tucker Carlson. I'll tell you exactly why he did that. Because he's implicated in some of these videos, and he doesn't want that to get out because he knows it will destroy the Congress. Remember, when you're a part of the conspiracy, usually the co-conspirators are the first ones murdered. You're about to see disclosures on Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, um, Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, uh, Swalwell, Ted Lieu, and all the rest of the cast of characters that we had to deal with for the last two years. You're also about to see Mike Pence outed for what he is, and he's a traitor. And you're about to hear it firsthand. At least that's how I see this. It's plutonium. If, if in, if, what I think is in those tapes is in those tapes. I think it's going to be plutonium, but you're not going to get it from Tucker Carlson. It's going to be from somebody else who has access to that, that leaks it out of Tucker Carlson's camp after the main, you know, approved disclosure by Murdoch is allowed to be pushed out to the American public. That's what you're going to see. But a true test of leadership was a guy who's holding steady and holding on Despite the personal cost to him, he's holding on to his moral compass, which should be commended and applauded. And trust me, you're not in this business if you don't sacrifice something. I just sacrificed my last job because of the fact that I would not give up this for the sake of optics for a company that I didn't give two, two shits about in the first place. And is there, is there a risk in my life? Absolutely. Is there ambiguity in my life? Absolutely. But I'm not going to give up waking up the American public for a couple of people that I don't care about in the first place that I think are incompetent to begin with that are running a company that shouldn't be in, and they shouldn't be in the positions they're in anyway. But you don't do this business if you're not ready to sacrifice something. And the same goes for the military. And every single one of my admins Every single one of the, the members of the team that support me doing this sacrifices every day to do this. And it may not seem, it may seem trivial to you, but it's not. There's a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people, that are doing deep research right now to help uncover what's really going on in the background. And that is why we will win. It's not because we're better, faster, smarter. It's because we have an unbreakable moral compass and we're all on the same team fighting for the same thing. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Unity is the hill we die on. 
If we don't unify as a country, don't unify as a people, we don't remember who we are, we don't remember what we're about, we're going to lose. Who we are, what we are. Every bit of that, you can see. If you read about the Battle of Midway, you read about the the code breakers and all the work that they did up to that point, you realize everybody that was involved in the war was in for the big win. That's the only way we win this. We all have to be on the same page. That means you have to put away and check your ego at the door. It means you have to put away your biased belief system that you're right and that you have to be right. And there's a host of people like that in the truth community. Always have to be right. Always have to be the smartest person in the room. Here's a hint. You're not. And most of you that create chaos in most of these chat channels and most of these social media platforms, most of you don't know what you're talking about anyway. Like I, the, the best line I've heard in two years was some shill that was never in the military, never, never understood or never done anything in the intelligence community, had never even heard of signals intelligence until they got on Telegram trying to tell me I wasn't trained in signals intelligence. Oh, okay. So I guess doing you know, network intelligence, advanced persistent threat, you know, intelligence and signals intelligence, as well as being a signal officer that I was never trained in that. Should never worry about operational security or collection efforts or operational gain versus intelligence loss. I don't know anything about that. But that's the caliber of people you're dealing with, right? The only way we win this is if everybody checks their ego at the door and they realize the one quintessential thing that everybody on this planet seems to have forgotten. And that is we're stronger together. Nobody knows everything. And you can learn something from your fellow man in every aspect of your life. Most people have forgotten that. I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything. Have you ever talked to a frame relay guy? Wow. That's a conversation. Back in the day when you used to get businesses connected to the internet, it was a process. You have to deal with the phone companies and the legacy phone companies, the Ma Bells and some of the other, that the legacy companies that provided connectivity, they were... They were a site all into themselves, a bureaucracy of acronyms that even the best military, you know, super egghead could never break the code on all those different acronyms. And a conversation goes something like this. You get on the phone and they start asking you questions about Delsey circuits and index lines and throughput, things you don't care about. And then a dude comes out, he puts a card on the wall. The card's got a red light and a green light on, the red light's on. And then you have six more phone calls where they talk about last mile and contractors and things that you don't even understand or care about. And then another dude comes out and it costs you $100,000 and he runs a cable from 
wherever that card is up to wherever your servers are. And they charge you a bunch of money for it. And he uses a bunch of terms that you don't even understand. And then the green light comes on and you're connected. I don't want to be that guy. I don't even know what he said. You spend an hour on the phone with him and you look around going, does anybody know what he said? Anyone? 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 No idea what he just said. All I heard was $100,000. I don't want to be that guy. And neither do you. You want to be the quiet contributor. That to me is the best position in any organization. And I've said this before, again, for those of you who have been listening to me for two years, just bear with me. In, in every battalion, in every squadron, you literally have a variety of personalities. You've got the brainiac. You've got, you've got the quiet contributors. You've got the, the gunslingers. You've got the, you know, the, the gunfighters. And the difference between a gunslinger and a gunfighter is a gunslinger only brandishes their weapon when it makes them look good. A gunfighter's using their weapon, and it doesn't look pretty, but it's probably the most clean and well-functioning in the entire organization. And then you have the shitbags that are just there to get over. And then you have one or two people that are the core of the unit. And they bring the esprit de corps, the creativity, the, the humor. They bring the personality. And everybody rallies around them. And those are the people in the organization, most of them are always the quiet contributors that are doing their work, but they're cracking jokes and stressful situation and keeping people grounded. Every unit has that mix. And trust me, when you lose one of those people, it's a gut shot to the whole unit. That's the place we have to get to. We have to get to that core Sphere of influence where you know who all those people are, where every community is tight-knit and they know who's who belongs there and who doesn't. They know who's trustworthy and who's not. They know who's going to step up and who's not. They know which people have which skill sets and when they need to tap into them. That is the that is the crux of how we won at the Battle of Midway. It's the crux of how we get to the next place. It's the glue that gets us through the worst parts of this. And it doesn't happen unless everybody checks their ego at the door. I can't say it any other way. And you got to give up this nonsense belief. I got to hear something positive. I got to hear something positive. I don't, there's weeks that go by. My entire team and I only see the negative but we're still here. Sometimes you got to persevere to endure. And you know, I'll, I'll end with this. Eisenhower was sitting in Normandy. And this is after they broke it out of Normandy and they were, we were marching towards the Maginot and the, um, the German Siegfried line in World War II. And Patton and Bradley were standing there and Patton said, we could still lose that war. We could still lose the war. And Eisenhower said, no way. And Patton's like, why do you say that? He goes, because of this. And he was looking at miles 
of supply trains that were moving toward the front with ammunition, troops, supplies, new equipment, you name it. We can't possibly lose with that because that is the American resolve. Sometimes it's right in front of you when you don't realize it. Sometimes you have to look for it. Right now, you need to look for it. And I will tell you this, you take this to the bank. There is a seething undercurrent of anger that is held by a lot more Americans than you think because they're seeing the destruction of their country by people that have no right to even make the decisions. And when that anger boils over, you will see something new. That day is coming. Take it to the bank. Today, I am going to end with Fog Hat Slow Ride. And it is going to work today because I tested it several times before I even started this. So today we'll end with Fog Hat Slow Ride. God bless. One team, one fight. <laughs>